0: We know that the whole of creation has been groaning, as in the pains of childbirth, right up to the present time. Not only so, but we ourselves, who have the first fruits of the Spirit, groan inwardly as we wait eagerly for our adoption to sonship, the redemption of our bodies. Thank you for that. Uh, we're, just, we're gonna hear from Mike now. So over to you, Mike. How am I on? Great, good. Good morning, everyone good to see you all. We're in our series of hope, hence hope, behind me these words. Um, it's great to have this here. I was thinking if we could do another sermon series where we could use those letters again, but we're a bit limited, aren't we, on the words you can make from maybe an Easter one, hop? No, okay. Um, so hope is a, it's such a great theme, and Christian hope is, is, is different to the hope that is often talked about in the world. And if you have been uh, here over some of the last weeks and some of the talks that we've had, um, do remember some of the stuff that's been said. And if you haven't been here, go back to the uh, website, look at the talks, listen to the talks that are there. Particularly, I um, encourage you to go and listen to the TED Talks um, that were two weeks ago, uh, people talking about what hope means to them in everyday life. Uh, What does it mean to walk as a Christian, to travel as a Christian, to be a disciple of Jesus, carrying the hope that we have from him? And then um, also last week's with Charlotte and Rachel uh, talking about what hope means to them as well. Great talks. Please do go back and listen to people just talking about what it means to them. We talked about, with hope, the key thing for us when we're thinking about hope is that it's about our understanding of who God is. The more we get to know God, the more we read Scripture, the more we experience who God is, the more we have faith in the, in the character of God, if you like, in who He is. And as our faith rises in who God is and in, in His character, so our hope rises with that. We are hopeful for what is possible because we know what He's like. We're hopeful that He will fulfill His promises because we know what He's done in our lives already. And we have faith that he will continue to be that sort of a God. Um, if you are a, a sports fan, I, I was thinking about the manager of my football team, I support Hull City. He, we've had different managers over the, over the, over the last few years. And um, the present manager is someone who is doing really well. And I was thinking about, what, what is it about him? Well, obviously, he gets results. He's starting to get some results, which is novel for us as a team. Um, he's starting to get some results. So that raises my faith in who he is as a manager. You know, he's actually getting some results. But it's not just that. It's the way he talks when he's interviewed. There's something about his manner and his demeanor that gives me faith in the sort of person that he is. And then I have hope that there might be better days ahead for supporters of Hull City. So there's something about the person as I get to know him that changes the way I have hope for what is possible and that is very true for us as Christians and uh, our understanding of God. It matters, it really, really matters how much we know about God how we press in to understand him how we read scripture how we spend time with others who know him that helps us to get to know who God is and that gives us enables us to have a hope for um, what is possible people who get to know God are enabled to travel through life with hope through all that happens in life with hope, The good and the bad, but it's a hope that carries you through that, that gives you a perspective on what is happening in life that is different to anything else that you will get in this world. None of the stories that we've heard in the past, the TED Talks, the stories last week, were about being removed from this world. None of them were about... Um, Let's just ignore what's happening to life and live in this little Christian bubble of hope. All of the stories about how hope enables you to walk through life. How hope enables you to know that you have a God. We have a God who is walking closely alongside us. Who understands everything that we're going through. I mentioned when uh, we started the series, one of the characters in the Bible that really... um, uh, I, I, drew, I got my attention, as I was thinking about this series, was Mary, you know, the posture of Mary, the mother of Jesus, who's being told that God soon will be born from her. So she is carrying the Son of God. And the trouble that that is going to bring her, the shame that she's going to face as an unmarried, pregnant Jewish girl who has to travel this long journey to Bethlehem for the census. Yet she has a hope because of who she knows God is. And there's that beautiful line in scripture which says, she pondered these things, she treasured up these things in her heart. She knew who her God was. And she knew that she could have faith and hope in who her God was. Even though she knew the journey was going to be a hard one. As we get to know God, so if you could just skip two slides forward, is it? Who am I talking to there? Isaiah, good to see you, Isaiah. You've slipped great, thank you. As we get to know God, we become like trees that put their roots down deep. Those trees that have their roots deep in who God is become well nourished. They have stability, just like a tree with deep roots has stability. So when the storms of life come, the tree is able to stand firm. They provide shelter for others. And they bear good fruit. Push your roots down deep into who God is. To give you a hope that enables you to live like a tree with deep roots. Today, then... As as we have that as our context for understanding our hope in God, I want to look at a particular um, aspect of the hope, the Christian hope that we have. This understanding is one, I don't know if you've ever had these times where there's been a talk or uh, an understanding of who God is that has just really captured you. It's just changed your perception on who God is. This was one of those times for me. I heard a guy called Gerard Kelly speaking at Spring Harvest a long time ago, talking about what I want to talk about this morning. And then I read a book by N.T. Wright, Tom Wright, called Surprised by Hope. And if you want to uh, pursue some of the things we're thinking about this morning further, that is the book I would recommend you look at, Surprised by Hope by N.T. Wright. That Romans 8 passage that we've just read, And not only the creation, but we ourselves, who have the first fruits of the Spirit, groan inwardly as we wait eagerly for our adoption as sons, the redemption of our bodies. Okay, here are some questions. I just want you to think quietly in your own heart to get us starting to think about the topic that we're thinking about this morning. What do you think or believe will happen to this earth when Jesus comes back? We have a hope as Christians that Jesus is going to come back one day. What do you think will happen to this earth when he does that? When we talk about heaven, where is it? What's heaven like? What does it look like? These are the questions we're going to be exploring this morning. A bit of lightweight theology. They're big questions, aren't they? And they're big questions that really matter. Those of you who know of Billy Graham, remember Billy Graham, the the, the evangelist who conducted many um, uh, big evangelistic rallies. Many people who came to know Jesus. People in my own family who came to know Jesus through the work of Jesus in this man's life. Amazing man. He, he used to allow people to write into him. People used to write into him with questions, a question you wanted to ask Billy. And his team would uh, field all these questions. I wonder if you can guess what was the most commonly asked question of Billy Graham, the evangelist. Can anyone guess what might be the most commonly asked question of him? What happens when we die was probably well up there, very close. The one question, the main question that was asked, the most common one was, will my dog go to heaven? (laughs) That was the the most common question that Billy Graham received from people. I had thought about this and actually think it's a really important question. Let me rephrase the question that people are asking Billy Graham there. I think people were saying, Will the things that I care about in this world survive with me in the next? It's a different question, isn't it? Well, it's not a different question. It it's helps us understand, I think, what is coming from people's hearts in this. Will the things that I care about in this world survive with me in the next? And that, I think, is a really important question. It's probably one that you maybe think about. What is the stuff of eternity what does eternity really look like? Now, in some respects, the Bible gives us clues, but it is annoyingly vague as well. But we do know some things, and that is what I want to explore this morning. This really matters. What we believe about it really changes the hope that we have now. And how we understand the lives that we live now on this earth, in this physical time and space. It changes So the first thing I want to say is that matter matters. Matter matters. One of the main temptations of Christian thinking over time has been, in my view, to focus on God's redeeming work being solely about the salvation of individuals. That absolutely is very important, but that is just one part of God's redemptive work in his creation. The Bible's witness throughout the whole story The whole story of the Bible from the Old Testament to the New Testament is that of a God who is intent on redeeming and restoring all of his creation back to the way it was originally intended to be. Including us. All of creation of which we are a part. To put it simply, these atoms, this physical stuff that we live in now, matters to God. The redemption that we read about in that Romans 8 passage is that all creation is groaning. All of creation is being redeemed back to the way it was meant to be. In Colossians it says, We have hope that the creation itself will be set free from its bondage to corruption and obtain the freedom of the glory of the children of God. Sorry, no, this is the Romans passage still, 21. That the creation itself will be set free from its bondage to corruption and obtain the freedom of the glory of the children of God. For we know that the whole creation has been groaning together in the pains of childbirth. And humanity, you and me, have been given right from the very start the job of stewarding this creation. We were given the job of stewarding this creation because it matters to him. It matters to God. The first, one of the first things that God said to Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden is, look after this. Name the things in it. Name the animals. Name the plants. And be good stewards of this creation. That is one of our first mission callings, if you like. To be good stewards of creation. Why? Because it matters to God. And through Jesus, we get a glimpse of the importance of his creation. We sang that song, didn't we? You were the word at the beginning. Jesus was present at the very beginning of creation. From his mouth, creation came into being. Jesus on the cross, dying and being resurrected, was about our salvation. But it was about much more than that. It was about the beginning of the whole of creation being reconciled, reconciled. Back to God, and one day, when Jesus comes back again, heaven will come to earth, and all of creation will be made new. Creation matters to God; it's the full story, and Jesus is the central per- person, the central character in this story of God's redemptive work in the whole of creation. Colossians one fifteen to twenty says this about Christ. And he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in everything he might be preeminent. For in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell and through him to reconcile to himself, that phrase again, all things. Whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of his cross. That phrase, all things, is used a lot in that passage. All things. That's his heart. The centrality of Jesus in both the creation of all things and the redeeming of all things is a key teaching in the Bible, and it's where we draw our hope from for what will one day be. What God is in the business of doing now, in and through you and me, his church, reconciling through us his creation back to himself. The cross is the focal point around which all of creation is being redeemed. And one day he will come again to fully realize the reconciliation of all things. That's enough to give us hope for a start, isn't it? That's a good start. N.T. Wright says, To put it bluntly, creation is to be redeemed. That is, space is to be redeemed. Time is to be redeemed. And matter is to be redeemed. The purpose of redemption is not simply to usher human souls off to some heavenly, non-corporeal existence for all eternity. It is to restore that which God had deemed very good in Genesis 1. You just pop the next slide on. Just as an illustration of, um, I came across this, as, if you come across Asbo Jesus, he does these cartoons. Escapology, eschatology is bad theology. We don't escape this earth. We are part of the redemptive process, the redemptive work of making all things new. This matter, this physical stuff, is being made new. We're not going to be lifted off and disappear off into the air. And sometimes some hymns have uh, given us a wrong impression of what actually good biblical theology is on this. We'll meet you either here, there, or in the air. I always remember people saying to me, not good. So going back to that question, the Billy Graham question, what about the things i care about in this world? God is about redeeming this creation, the things that we care about in this world, the things that matter to us. There is hear this hear this there is going to be a sifting, there is going to be a judgment by God but sometimes people have quoted passages like that 2 Peter 3:10 which says that all of creation all of the earth will be destroyed and that is a wrong translation of what that is actually saying now people will understand people people understand that to say because of other manuscripts that they've found and realized that it had been wrongly translated it's more like a the fire of god will discover that which will last the purifying fire of God will remove that which will not last into eternity, but it's not a destroying of all that is; it's a purifying of it, a making new, a renewing of all of creation. Gerard Kelly, again, who, the guy I said who I heard at Spring Harvest says, "This earth, this creation, is God's best idea, and this is what He came back for." Think about it, he says. If heaven is enough, why did God create the earth? Why did He create us? Because it expressed something of who He is. It expresses His character through His creativity and humanity. It's the peak of His creative act. He gave humanity the job of stewarding His creation. Matter matters to Him, and matter is being redeemed and reconciled back to Him. I'm a sci fi fan. I'm in danger of kind of niching myself here, but I am a bit of a sci-fi fan. I like sci-fi, but often sci-fi has this understanding of what it means to be, to evolve as people. Um, I used to watch a series called Stargate Atlantis. And uh, some of, I'm, I mean, I know I'm in, the, in danger of dividing the room here. There'll be, there'll be a small little pocket of people who will be really going with me on this, and the majority of you probably are going, hmm. But... Try and go with me as much as you can. In in this series, the the, 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 the evolution of humankind, the, the fullness, the, the end point of the evolution of humankind was to escape the physical and to ascend and become this kind of spiritual being that became one with the universe. It's a bit like the Star Wars idea of the force, you know. Suddenly, Ben can, Obi-Wan Kenobi just disappears and he's one with the universe. That is... That is not what we believe as Christians. I'm not saying that they are trying to portray what we believe as Christians, but that is really the opposite of what we believe as Christians. We believe the physical matters. That is Greek thinking. And it was. if you know anything about church history, the, the, the church really struggled with thinking like that, with Gnosticism, which said that the physical doesn't matter. It's all about being spiritual beings. That is not what we believe. God really cares about the physical and the matter and the atoms that we're made of and we will be renewed and it'll be some mysterious way but it will be physical just as Jesus in his resurrected body was a body and bore some resemblance to what he was before he ate a meal with his disciples but somehow he was able to walk through a wall so something was different but it's physical and that's what God's in the business of doing renewing and redeeming our world And then the last point, we've got that. That leads us on to this quote, again from N.T. Wright. Jesus' resurrection is the beginning of God's new project, not to snatch people away from earth to heaven, but to colonize earth with the life of heaven. That, after all, is what the Lord's Prayer is all about, isn't it? Let your kingdom come on earth as in heaven. So the the second point is, what is the flow? Know your flow. The flow of heaven is to earth. It isn't the flow of earth to heaven. You know that idea that we somehow get lifted off and taken off to heaven. Actually, the biblical understanding, the hope that we have, is that heaven comes to earth. Heaven invades earth. Heaven came to earth when Jesus came to earth. God in heaven chose to become atoms. He chose to become matter. He chose to become physical and live amongst us so that we could get to know Him, touch Him, feel Him, hear Him. Heaven flows to earth, and heaven still flows to earth through you and me now. Heaven breaks into this existence now to give a foretaste of what one day will be fully realized. Know the flow. Salvation then, says N.T. Wright, is not going to heaven, but being raised to life in God's new heaven and earth. And that changes how we see things. If we see creation as something God values and is redeeming, we as his people are called to join in with that. The church is called to be a people through whom heaven invades earth. If you like, in the terms of hope, we have some of the greatest hope ever. That this world matters to God. That people matter to God. And that he is in the business of redeeming this world, this creation, back to himself. Just speak up, Matt, sorry. Yeah, like the ascension. Yeah. So you saying that we will never go to heaven? That God will bring Is to, heaven to Yeah, no, that's a good question. Um, I like interaction. Thanks, Matt. <laughs> Easy question. Thank you. Um, <laughs> uh, <laughs> I, I think I will said, say it with a, a caveat of, like I said at the beginning, the Bible gives us clues. I don't quite, uh, the, Jesus ascended. I mean, Gerard uh, Kelly was asked this question actually when I heard him speak on this. And he said Jesus had to go somewhere else for um, uh, th- his disciples, for the church to carry on and carry on his work. What uh, is actually happening in terms of time and space and heaven? But the, the, the overall thrust of the biblical narrative is that heaven is coming to earth. It raises questions as to where are people now? Where is Jesus now? What, where is this place of heaven? But it's trying to get away from that image of heaven is this place up there, separate from what we are here. Actually, the work of Jesus and the work of the church is that heaven is gradually invading earth. That doesn't really... Jesus says, I'm going to prepare a place, yet I, I, I'm not quite sure is my answer to that. But I know that the whole big uh, narrative of it is that it's this move of heaven to earth and the ultimate, that Revelation 21 where it says the, the city of Jerusalem comes to earth and um, he, God makes his dwelling place with man, it's that flow from heaven to, to, to earth and um, who knows how that is actually being worked out um, I don't know where Jesus is now but I know that that is the flow and the ultimate redemption and reconciliation of all creation is that heaven and earth become one it's a bit like Venn diagrams at the moment. Occasionally, the um, heaven breaks into earth, you know, in that little bit in the middle of Venn diagrams. The end times, those two circles will become one, and heaven and earth will become one, and heaven will come down. It'll be a new heaven and a new earth, um, renewed heaven and renewed earth. There are some really good theologians in this room, Matt, and, and I would like to give the answer, and but I just want to give them chance to be able to speak as well. So um, if you just... Find them, then um, I'll tell you whether I agree with them afterwards, okay. (laughs) So just to finish then, God created his creation to be good. There is much about it that is tainted and damaged, but the work of Christ is to reconcile all things to himself to be in the business of bringing heaven to earth, to renew, to make new this creation. It will be made into something that has never been. It is a renewing of creation. It is a new creation, a new heaven. But it will be familiar. And so it matters what we do now as church with this creation. You can see that if you think this world is going to be just raised and, and destroyed, why would we bother with any looking after it now? Why would we bother with doing anything to do with looking after this creation. Your theology on this matters because it changes how you treat the creation now. To paraphrase um, Maximus Meridius from Gladiator, what we do, what we build now, can last into eternity. What we do, what we build now, can last into eternity. This is why our Vision statements to make life better and to make disciples is so important. That's what we're talking about as a church. where We say transformation of Sheffield, make life better, make disciples. We want to be the agents of renewal of creation. We celebrate that which reflects the image of God in people and their creativity. We become a city on the hill, a people where the things of heaven are revealed and the character of God is revealed. And then as we do that, we get to do evangelism. You know, as people see a glimpse of heaven, as heaven starts breaking into earth, we get to have conversations about Jesus. It's not an either-or. As we become all that God calls us to be, we get to have those conversations. Ephesians 3, 9, 10, the manifold wisdom of God is being made known to the rulers and authorities in heaven places through the church. Heaven is watching you and me, his church now, reveal what heaven is like and what God is like. That's amazing, isn't it? Right now, heaven is watching the church. The manifold wisdom of God is revealed through you and me to the heavenly places. This is the mission of the church. I'll finish with the um, passage from Revelation 21 that I've I've kind of um, alluded to. When the new heaven and the new earth becomes fully fully realized. This is our hope. This is the hope that was started by Christ on the cross. The redemption of all creation that will be fulfilled one day. When God himself will make his dwelling place with mankind. That is the hope that we have. I saw the holy city, says John writing this. The new Jerusalem coming down out of heaven from God For the old order of things has passed away. That gives me hope. I hope it gives you hope. And I hope you will hear this call on us as a church to be people who carry that hope. We are the agents through whom God is bringing hope to the world. We are the the people through whom heaven is being revealed to the whole world that's what we carry and we can say to people it matters this creation now it matters and what God is doing is bringing a redemption and a reconciling to bring it back to the way it was originally intended in Genesis in the Garden of Eden that's what it's going to be like in the end when God comes and makes his dwelling place with us again hello children thank you for coming in so quietly that was amazing it's great to have you back with us we're going to have communion in a minute uh, as a family together, one of the great things about communion and one of the understands in, understandings in church history of communion is it's one of those places that symbolizes the heaven coming to earth. You know, that thin place, sacrament, as you come to the sacraments, as you come to communion and receive the body and blood of Jesus, there's a reminder of heaven coming to earth, God coming to earth in the person of Christ. That thin place where heaven invades earth. So as you come for communion in a moment, be open to say to God, I want more of this. I want heaven to invade my life. I want you to invade my life. I want my life to be a symbol, a sign of heaven invading this earth and this creation. Be open to what God wants to do in and through you and in and through us as a church. I think the band are going to come up. It's great, and they're going to lead us in a song, and then we're going to prepare uh, to receive communion together as a family. Is that okay, Josh? Are we good to do that? Great.